This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. King Solomon's Mines by L. Ryder Haggard Chapter 11 We Give a Sign for a long while, two hours, I should think, we sat there in silence, being too much overwhelmed by the recollection of the horrors we had seen to talk. At last, just as we were thinking of turning in, drew nigh to dawn, we heard a sound of steps. Then came the challenge of a sentry posted at the corral gate, which apparently was answered, though not in an audible tone, for the steps still advanced, and in another second Infadus had entered the hut, followed by some half-dozen stately-looking chiefs. "'My lords,' he said, "'I have come according to my word. "'My lords and Ignosi, rightful king of the Cucuanas, "'I have brought with me these men,' pointing to the row of chiefs, "'who are great men among us, having each one of them the command of three thousand soldiers that live but to do their bidding under the kings. I have told them of what I have seen and what my ears have heard. Now let them also behold the sacred snake around thee, and hear thy story, Ignosi, that they may say whether or not they will make cause with thee against Twala the king. By way of answer, Ignosi again stripped off his girdle, and exhibited the snake tattooed about him. Each chief in turn drew near and examined the sign by the dim light of the lamp, and without saying a word passed on to the other side. Then Ignosi resumed his muka, and addressing them, repeated the history he had detailed in the morning. "'Now ye have heard, chiefs,' said Infadus, when he had done. What say ye? Will ye stand by this man and help him to his father's throne? Or will ye not? The land cries out against Twala, and the blood of the people flows like the waters in spring. Ye have seen to-night. Two other chiefs there were with whom I had in my mind to speak, and where are they now? The hyenas howl over their corpses. Soon shall ye be as they are, if ye strike not. Choose, then, my brothers. The eldest of the six men, a short, thick-set warrior with white hair, stepped forward a pace and answered, Thy words are true, Infadus, the land cries out. My own brother is among those who died to-night. But this is a great matter, and the thing is hard to believe. How know we that if we lift our spears it may not be for a thief and a liar? It is a great matter, I say, of which none can see the end. For of this be sure, blood will flow in rivers before the deed is done. Many will still cleave to the king, for men worship the sun that still shines bright in the heavens rather than that which has not risen. These white men from the stars, their magic is great, and Ignosi is under the cover of their wing. 
If he be indeed the rightful king, let them give us a sign, and let the people have a sign, that all may see. So shall men cleave to us, knowing of a truth that the white man's magic is with them. Ye have the sign of the snake, I answered. My lord, it is not enough. The snake may have been placed there since the man's childhood. Show us a sign, and it will suffice, but we will not move without a sign. The others gave a decided assent, and I turned in perplexity to Sir Henry and Good, and explained the situation. I think I have it, said Good exultingly. Ask them to give us a moment to think. I did so, and the chiefs withdrew. So soon as they had gone, Good went to the little box where he kept his medicines, unlocked it, and took out a notebook, in the fly-leaves of which was an almanac. Now look here, you fellows. Isn't tomorrow the 4th of June? he answered. We had kept a careful note of the days, so were able to answer that it was. Very good. Then here we have it. Four June, total eclipse of the moon, commences at 8.15 Greenwich time, visible in Tenerife, South Africa, etc. There's a sign for you. Tell them we will darken the moon tomorrow night. The idea was a splendid one. Indeed, the only weak spot about it was a fear lest Good's almanac might be incorrect. If we made a false prophecy on such a subject, our prestige would be gone forever, and so would Ignosi's chance of the throne of the Cucuanas. Suppose that the almanac is wrong, suggested Sir Henry to Good, who was busily employed in working out something on a blank page of the book. I see no reason to suppose anything of the sort, was his answer. Eclipses always come up to time, at least that is my experience of them, and it especially states that this one will be visible in South Africa. I have worked out the reckonings as well as I can without knowing our exact position, and I make out that the eclipse should begin here about ten o'clock tomorrow night, and last till half past twelve. For an hour and a half or so, there should be almost total darkness. Well, said Sir Henry, I suppose we had better risk it. I acquiesced, though doubtfully, for eclipses are queer cattle to deal with. It might be a cloudy night, for instance, or our dates might be wrong, and sent Umbopa to summon the chiefs back. Presently they came, and I addressed them thus. Great men of the Cucuanas, and thou, Infadus, listen. We love not to show our powers, for to do so is to interfere with the course of nature, and to plunge the world into fear and confusion. But since this matter is a great one, and as we are angered against the king because of the slaughter we have seen, and because of the act of the Isanusi, Gagul, who would have put our friend Ignosi to death, we have determined to break a rule, and to give such a sign as all men may see. Come hither, 
and I led them to the door of the hut and pointed to the red ball of the moon. "'What see ye there?' "'We see the sinking moon,' answered the spokesman of the party. "'It is so. Now tell me, can any mortal man put out that moon before her hour of setting and bring the curtain of black light down upon the land?' The chief laughed a little at the question. No, my lord, that no man can do. The moon is stronger than man who looks on her, nor can she vary in her course. Ye say so. Yet I tell you that tomorrow night, about two hours before midnight, we will cause the moon to be eaten up for a space of an hour and half an hour. Yes, deep darkness shall cover the earth, and it shall be for a sign that Ignosi is indeed king of the Cucuanas. If we do this thing, will ye be satisfied? Yea, my lords, answered the old chief with a smile, which was reflected on the faces of his companions. If ye do this thing, we will be satisfied indeed. It shall be done. We three, Inkibu, Bugwan and Macumazan have said it, and it shall be done. Dost thou hear, Enfadus? I hear, my lord, but it is a wonderful thing that ye promise to put out the moon, the mother of the world, when she is at her full. Yet shall we do it, Enfadus. It is well, my lords. Today, two hours after sunset, Twala will send for my lords to witness the girl's dance, and one hour after the dance begins, the girl whom Twala thinks the fairest shall be killed by Scraga, the king's son, as a sacrifice to the silent ones who sit and keep watch by the mountains yonder. And he pointed towards the three strange-looking peaks where Solomon's road was supposed to end. Then let my lords darken the moon and save the maiden's life, and the people will believe indeed. Aye, said the old chief, still smiling a little, the people will believe indeed. Two miles from Lu, went on Fadus, there is a hill curved like a new moon, a stronghold, where my regiment and three other regiments which these chiefs command are stationed. This morning we will make a plan whereby two or three other regiments may be moved there also. Then, if in truth my lords can darken the moon, in the darkness I will take my lords by the hand and lead them out of Lou to this place, where they shall be safe, and thence we can make war upon Twala the king. It is good, said I. Let leave us to sleep a while and to make ready our magic. Infadus rose, and having saluted us, departed with the chiefs. "'My friends,' said Ignosi, as soon as they were gone, "'can ye do this wonderful thing, or were ye speaking empty words to the captains?' "'We believe that we can do it, Umbopa, Ignosi, I mean.' "'It is strange,' he answered, "'and had ye not been Englishmen, I would not have believed it. "'but I have learned that English gentlemen tell no lies. "'If we live through the matter, be sure that I will repay you.' 
Ignosi, said Sir Henry, promise me one thing. I will promise, Inkubu, my friend, even before I hear it, answered the big man with a smile. What is it? This, that if ever you come to be king of this people, you will do away with the smelling out of wizards such as we saw last night, and that the killing of men without trial shall no longer take place in the land. Ignosi thought for a moment after I had translated this request, and then answered, The ways of black people are not as the ways of white men, Inkibu, nor do we value life so highly. Yet I will promise. If it be in my power to hold them back, the witch-finders shall hunt no more, nor shall any man die the death without trial or judgment. That's a bargain, then, said Sir Henry. And now let us get a little rest. Thoroughly wearied out, we were soon sound asleep, and slept till Ignosi woke us about eleven o'clock. Then we rose, washed, and ate a hearty breakfast. After that we went outside the hut and walked about, amusing ourselves with examining the structure of the Kukuana huts and observing the customs of the women. "'I hope that eclipse will come off,' said Sir Henry, presently. "'If it does not, it will soon be all up with us,' I answered mournfully. "'For so sure as we are living men, some of those chiefs will tell the whole story to the king, "'and then there will be another sort of eclipse, and one that we shall certainly not like.' Returning to the hut, we ate some dinner and passed the rest of the day in receiving visits of ceremony and curiosity. At length the sun set, and we enjoyed a couple of hours of such quiet as our melancholy forebodings would allow to us. Finally, about half-past eight, a messenger came from Twala to bid us to the great annual dance of girls which was about to be celebrated. Hastily we put on the chain shirts that the king had sent us, and taking our rifles and ammunition with us, so as to have them handy in case we had to fly, as suggested by Infidus, we started boldly enough, though with inward fear and trembling. The great space in front of the king's corral bore a very different appearance from that which it had presented on the previous evening. In place of the grim ranks of serried warriors, were company after company of Kukuana girls, not overdressed, so far as clothing went, but each crowned with a wreath of flowers, and holding a palm leaf in one hand, and a white arum lily in the other. In the center of the open moonlit space sat Twala the king, with old Gagool at his feet, attended by Infidus, the boy Scraga, and twelve guards. There were also present about a score of chiefs, among whom I recognized most of our friends of the night before. Twala greeted us with much apparent cordiality, though I saw him fix his one eye viciously on Umbopa. "'Welcome, white men from the stars,' he said. "'This is another sight from that which your eyes gazed on by the light of last night's moon.' but it is not so good a sight. 
Girls are pleasant, and were it not for such as these, and he pointed round him, we should none of us be here this day, but men are better. Kisses and the tender words of women are sweet, but the sound of the clashing of the spears of warriors and the smell of men's blood are sweeter far. Would ye have wives from among our people, white men? If so, choose the fairest here, and ye shall have them, as many as ye will. And he paused for an answer. As the prospect did not seem to be without attractions for good, who, like most sailors, is of a susceptible nature, being elderly and wise, foreseeing the endless complications that anything of the sort would involve, for women bring trouble so surely as the night follows the day, I put in a hasty answer. Thanks to thee, O king. But we white men wed only with white women like ourselves. Your maidens are fair, but they are not for us. The king laughed. It is well. In our land there is a proverb which runs, Women's eyes are always bright, whatever the color. And another that says, Love her who is present, for be sure she who is absent is false to thee. But perhaps these things are not so in the stars. In a land where men are white, all good things are possible. So be it, white men. The girls will not go begging. Welcome again, and welcome too, thou black one. If Gagool here had won her way, thou wouldst have been stiff and cold by now. It is lucky for thee that thou too camest from the stars. Ha <laughs> ha! I can kill thee before thou killest me, O king, was Ignosi's calm answer, and thou shalt be stiff before my limbs cease to bend. Twala started. Thou speakest boldly, boy, he replied angrily. Presume not too far. He may well be bold in whose lips are truth. The truth is a sharp spear which flies home and misses not. It is a message from the stars, O king. Twala scowled, and his one eye gleamed fiercely, but he said nothing more. Let the dance begin, he cried. And then the flower-crowned girls sprang forward in companies, singing a sweet song and waving the delicate palms and white lilies. On they danced, looking faint and spiritual in the soft, sad light of the risen moon, now whirling round and round, now meeting in mimic warfare, swaying, eddying here and there, coming forward, falling back in an ordered confusion delightful to witness. At last they paused, and a beautiful young woman sprang out of the ranks and began to pirouette in front of us with a grace and vigor which would have put most ballet girls to shame. At length she retired exhausted, and another took her place, then another, and another. But none of them, either in grace, skill, or personal attractions, came up to the first. When the chosen girls had all danced, the king lifted his hand. "'Which deem ye the fairest, white men?' he asked. "'The first, said I, unthinkingly. Next second I regretted it, "'for I remembered that Infadus had told us "'that the fairest woman must be offered up as a sacrifice. 
then is my mind as your minds, and my eyes as your eyes. She is the fairest, and a sorry thing it is for her, for she must die. I must die, piped out Gagool, casting a glance of her quick eyes in the direction of the poor girl, who, as yet ignorant of the awful fate in store for her, was standing some ten yards off in front of a company of maidens, "'engaged in nervously picking a flower from her wreath to pieces, petal by petal. "'Why, O oh king,' said I, restraining my indignation with difficulty, "'the girl has danced well and pleased us. "'She is fair, too. "'It would be hard to reward her with death.' "'Twala laughed as he answered. "'It is our custom, and the figures who sit in the stone yonder,' and he pointed towards the three distant peaks, must have their due. Did I fail to put the fairest girl to death today, misfortune would fall upon me in my house. Thus runs the prophecy of my people. If the king offer not a sacrifice of a fair girl on the day of the dance of the maidens to the old ones who sit and watch on the mountains, then shall he fall, and his house. Look ye, white men, my brother who reigned before me offered not the sacrifice, because of the tears of the woman, and he fell, and his house, and I reign in his stead. It is finished. She must die. Then turning to the guards, bring her hither, Scraga, make sharp thy spear. Two of the men stepped forward, and as they advanced, the girl, for the first time realizing her impending fate, screamed aloud and turned to fly. But the strong hands caught her fast and brought her, struggling and weeping, before us. "'What is thy name, girl?' piped Gagool. "'What? Wilt thou not answer? Shall the king's son do his work at once?' At this hint, Scraga, looking more evil than ever, advanced a step and lifted his great spear, and at that moment I saw Good's hand creep to his revolver. The poor girl caught the faint glint of steel through her tears, and it sobered her anguish. She ceased struggling, and clasped her hands convulsively, stood shuddering from head to foot. "'See!' cried Skaga, in a high glee. "'She shrinks from the sight of my little plaything "'even before she has tasted it.' "'And he tapped the broad blade of his spear. "'If ever I get the chance, "'you shall pay for that, you young hound,' "'I heard Good mutter beneath his breath. "'Now that thou art quiet, "'give us thy name, my dear. "'Come, speak out, and fear not,' "'said Gagool in mockery. "'Oh, mother,' answered the girl in trembling accents, "'my name is Fulata of the house of Suko. "'Oh, mother, why must I die? I have done no wrong.' "'Be comforted,' went on the old woman in her hateful tone of mockery. "'Thou must die, indeed, as a sacrifice to the old ones who sit yonder.' "'And she pointed to the peaks.' "'But it is better to sleep in the night than to toil in the daytime. "'It is better to die than to live, "'and thou shalt die by the royal hand of the king's own son.' "'The girl Fulata wrung her hands in anguish and cried out aloud, "'O oh, cruel 
and I so young. What have I done that I should never again see the sun rise out of the night, or the stars come following on his track in the evening, that I may no more gather the flowers when the dew is heavy, or listen to the laughing of the waters? Woe is me that I shall never see my father's hut again, nor feel my mother's kiss, nor tend the lamb that is sick. Woe is me that no lover shall put his arm around me and look into my eyes, nor shall men children be born of me. Oh, cruel, cruel. And again she wrung her hands and turned her tear-stained, flower-crowned face to heaven, looking so lovely in her despair, for she was indeed a beautiful woman, that assuredly the sight of her would have melted the hearts of any less cruel than were the three fiends before us. Prince Arthur's appeal to the ruffians who came to blind him was not more touching than that of this savage girl. But it did not move Gagool, or Gagool's master, though I saw signs of pity among the guards behind and on the faces of the chiefs. And as for good, he gave a fierce snort of indignation and made a quick motion as though to go to her assistance. With all a woman's quickness, the doomed girl interpreted what was passing in his mind and by a sudden movement flung herself before him and clasped his beautiful white legs with her hands. "'O oh, white father from the stars,' she cried, "'throw over me the mantle of thy protection. "'Let me creep into the shadow of thy strength "'that I may be saved. "'Oh, keep me from these cruel men "'and from the mercies of Gagool. "'All right, my hearty, I'll look after you,' "'sang out good and nervous Saxon.' "'Come on, get up, there's a good girl,' and he stooped and caught her hand. Twala turned and motioned to his son, who advanced with his spear lifted. "'Now's your time,' whispered Sir Henry to me. "'What are you waiting for?' "'I am waiting for that eclipse,' I answered. "'I have had my eye on the moon for the last half hour, and I never saw it look healthier.' "'Well, you must risk it now, or the girl will be killed. "'Twala is losing patience.' "'Recognizing the force of the argument, "'and having cast one more despairing look at the bright face of the moon, "'for never did the most ardent astronomer with a theory to prove "'await a celestial event with such anxiety, "'I stepped with all the dignity that I could command "'between the prostrate girl and the advancing spear of Scraga.' King, I said, it shall not be. We will not endure this thing. Let the girl go in safety. Twala rose from his seat in wrath and astonishment, and from the chiefs and serried ranks of maidens who had closed in slowly upon us in anticipation of the tragedy came a murmur of amazement. Shall not be, thou white dog that yappest at the lion in his cave, shall not be? Art thou mad? Be careful, lest this chicken's fate overtake thee, and those with thee. How canst thou save her or thyself? Who art thou that thou settest thyself between me and my will? Back, I say. Scraga, kill her. 
No, guards, seize these men. At his cry, armed men ran swiftly from behind the hut, where they had evidently been placed beforehand. Sir Henry, Good, and Umbopa ranged themselves alongside of me and lifted their rifles. Stop! I shouted boldly, though at the moment my heart was in my boots. Stop! We, the white men from the stars, say that it shall not be. Come but one pace nearer, and we will put out the moon like a wind-blown lamp, as we who dwell in her house can do, and plunge the land in darkness. Dare to disobey, and ye shall taste of our magic. My threat produced an effect. The man halted, and Scragga stood still before us, his spear lifted. Hear him! Hear him! piped Gagool. Hear the liar who says that he will put out the moon like a lamp. Let him do it, and the girl shall be speared. Yes, let him do it, or die by the girl. He and those with him. I glanced up at the moon despairingly, and now to my intense joy and relief saw that we, or rather the almanac, had made no mistake. On the edge of the great orb lay a faint rim of shadow, while a smoky hue grew and gathered upon its bright surface. Never shall I forget that supreme, that superb moment of relief. Then I lifted my hand solemnly towards the sky, an example which Sir Henry and Good followed, and quoted a line or two from the Ingoldsby legends at it in the most impressive tones that I could command. Sir Henry followed suit with a verse out of the Old Testament and something about Balbus building a wall in Latin, whilst Good addressed the Queen of Night in a volume of the most classical bad language which he could think of. Slowly the penumbra, the shadow of a shadow, crept on over the bright surface, and as it crept I heard deep gasps of fear rising from the multitude around. Look, O king, I cried, look, Gagool, look, chiefs and people and women, and see if the white men from the stars keep their word, or if they be but empty liars. The moon grows black before your eyes, Soon there will be darkness, aye, darkness in the hour of the full moon. Ye have asked for a sign, it is given to you. Grow dark, O moon. Withdraw thy light, thou pure and holy one. Bring the proud heart of usurping murderers to the dust, and eat up the world with shadows. A groan of terror burst from the onlookers. Some stood petrified with dread. Others threw themselves upon their knees and cried aloud. As for the king, he sat still and turned pale beneath his dusky skin. Only Gagool kept her courage. It will pass, she cried. I have often seen the like before. No man can put out the moon. Lose not heart. Sit still. THE SHADOW WILL PASS. WAIT, AND YE SHALL SEE, I REPLIED, HOPPING WITH EXCITEMENT. O MOON, 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 WHEREFORE ART THOU SO COLD AND FICKLE? THIS APPROPRIATE QUOTATION WAS FROM THE PAGES OF A POPULAR ROMANCE THAT I CHANCED TO HAVE READ RECENTLY, THOUGH NOW I COME TO THINK OF IT, IT WAS UNGRATEFUL OF ME TO ABUSE THE LADY OF THE HEAVENS, 
who was showing herself to be the truest of friends to us, however she may have behaved to the impassioned lover in the novel. Then I added, Keep it up, good. I can't remember any more poetry. Curse away, there's a good fellow. Good responded nobly to this tax upon his inventive faculties. Never before had I the faintest conception of the breadth and depth and height of a naval officer's objugatory powers. For ten minutes he went on in several languages without stopping, and he scarcely ever repeated himself. Meanwhile the dark ring crept on, while all that great assembly fixed their eyes upon the sky and stared and stared in fascinated silence. Strange and unholy shadows encroached upon the moonlight, an ominous quiet filled the place. Everything grew still as death. Slowly, and in the midst of this most solemn silence, the minutes sped away, and while they sped, the full moon passed deeper and deeper into the shadow of the earth, as the inky segment of its circle slid in awful majesty across the lunar craters. The great pale orb seemed to draw near and to grow in size. She turned a coppery hue, then that portion of her surface which was unobscured as yet grew gray and ashen, and at length, as totality approached, her mountains and her plains were seen to be glowing luridly through a crimson gloom. On, yet on, crept the ring of darkness. It was now more than half across the blood-red orb. The air grew thick and still more deeply tinged with dusky crimson, and yet on, till we could scarcely see the fierce faces of the group before us. No sound rose now from the spectators, and at last Good stopped swearing. "'The moon is dying! The white wizards have killed the moon!' yelled the Prince Scraga at last. "'We shall all perish in the dark!' And animated by fear or fury, or by both, he lifted his spear and drove it with all his force at Sir Henry's breast. But he forgot the mail shirts that the king had given us, and which we wore beneath our clothing. The steel rebounded harmless.' and before he could repeat the blow, Curtis had snatched the spear from his hand and sent it straight through him. Scragga dropped dead. At the sight, and driven mad with fear of the gathering darkness and of the unholy shadow which, as they believed, was swallowing the moon, the companies of girls broke up in wild confusion and ran screeching for the gateways. Nor did the panic stop there. The king himself, followed by his guards, some of the chiefs in Gagool, who hobbled away after them with marvelous alacrity, fled for the huts, so that in another minute we ourselves, the would-be victim Fulata, Infadus, and most of the chiefs who had interviewed us on the previous night, were left alone upon the scene, together with the dead body of Scraga, Twala's son. "'Chiefs,' I said, "'we have given you the sign. "'If ye are satisfied, let us fly swiftly to the place of which she spoke. "'The charm cannot now be stopped. "'It will work for an hour and the half of an hour. 
let us cover ourselves in the darkness. Come, said Infadus, turning to go, an example which was followed by the odd captains, ourselves, and the girl Fulata, whom Good took by the arm. Before we reached the gate of the corral, the moon went out utterly, and from every quarter of the firmament the stars rushed forth into the inky sky. Holding each other by the hand, we stumbled on through the darkness. End of chapter 11